Let's get ready for some wheel nerds. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 32. I'm Chuck. And I'm Todd. And we're going to be talking about motorcycles. And the truth. The, the truth? The truth, we, Chuck. We promised never to talk about the truth. We swore never to talk about the truth. Chuck, everyone knows what you did last summer. You can't handle the truth! <laughs> <laughs> so we're back this week with the second half of our interview with David Huff. I'm sorry I spit on you. I, I'm getting used to it at this point. <laughs> Yeah, uh, great. David Huff. Yes, indeed. But first... Listener ads. Listener ads. <laughs> we got some great ones from Michael uh, out in Tampa. Ones. So in Tampa, if you really want... Well, let, let's let's read them one at a time and let's see how... See if we can notice any similarities. I'm not going to read this one in the screaming guy voice, but it is all in caps. <laughs> Custom 2006 Suzuki Gixxer 1000. Lots of money. <laughs> Everything new. Tastefully done. No expense spared. If you're a serious call with any questions, I can show the bike anytime. Low ballers will be ignored. Thanks. Number, mileage, power commander tune, 240 kit, roaring toy swing arm, custom wheels powder coated with Pirelli Diablo tires, air ride, custom suede, iPod, blah 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 The list goes on and on. Oh, Lord in heaven, what the hell did he do? Uh-huh. Mike. So he uh, he looks like he put a long swing arm on it and a fatter back tire. And I think that little, like, protuberance on its ass is, in fact, a stereo system. Uh-huh. Banging tunes coming out of your butt. Okay, so this this custom sport thing is sort of like where the, the chopper guys are I, trying I, to find an... A market because this this started popping up a few years back. Yeah, and the people on them are very similar to the people on the choppers. <laughs> um, <laughs> whoa, 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 uh, what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> fat people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what was that about fat? Nothing. Up and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the wife made me get up and go running with her this morning. <laughs> I'm really tired. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm getting so fit. Oh, donuts. <laughs> Ooh, donuts. Yeah, I got free donuts at work. Wow, so yeah, those are steep. That's a big banging speaker system on the back. So they, Blasting they, right into your back. So the big thing with these customs they do is they like they lower it, they extend the swing arm, like weigh the shit out. Why? I You know, I don't know. What's the point of that? I'm I mean, assuming it's like, so if, theoretically, if it was a drag bike, they do that to get to keep the front end down a little better. Okay. Or you could smoke up the rear tire more efficiently doing this. I think, frankly, in this case, it's like a fashion thing. I mean, look at the fucking house it's sitting in front of. <laughs> That's okay. a nice house. Yeah. That's a nice driveway. It's I like a, that. It's a McMansion with a tile driveway. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah. No, it's nice. So I could definitely see myself raising my 2.5 kids there. It's oh, exciting. the speakers are gone. Oh, interesting. The speakers come off and there's a, there's a seat underneath them. For the girl that won't get on. Yes. Because there's nothing to put your feet on. <laughs> the swing arm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There, there are little sort of peggy things there, but yeah. So that's that's one. Let's see what the other one is. Okay. Okay. Oh, three custom Busa show bike. Even more money, like twice as much money. Looking to sell or trade my one of a kind custom show bike. Lots of money and time invested. Serious inquiries only. 2003 Suzuki Hayabusa. Custom candy red paint with custom airbrush. Ghost flames Merle. Must see in person. Do she the detail. 200 HP all motor precision machined. Everything new. Shape transmission. 24 volts. Starting system. 300 kit. Extra rear tire, ostrich seat, back seat to 10-inch swing arm, way too many custom parts to list. Call Woody. <laughs> Looking to trade for zero or one newer Corvette. Must be clean and running well. May consider other trades. No junk. So take a look at it. And uh, this looks familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, it looks it looks less obscene. Ye- no. <laughs> it doesn't. Keep in mind the boost is already a foot longer. 
Okay. Is that why? Because the, the swing arm looks like it's more there, – there's more substance to it there with the swing arm and the chain or is it could or is that just the exhaust getting in the way? I, I, I think it's just the, the fat ass of the Busa getting in the way. That looks tacked on. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean at least on the – well, that looks horrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? That's what I said. So it's another, it's another uh, one of these stressed out sport bikes. With a speaker in the back seat. When did that become popular? I don't know. I have a question though. Yeah. Why is everyone afraid to list all the parts? There's way too many. There's the list goes on, and I'm not going to tell you what it fucking is. <laughs> there's too many parts to list. Don't lowball me because there's just so many. And you think he'll let me take it for a test ride? I do not know. In all honesty, how many miles do you think he got? Oh God, a it whole, can't be many. Twelve. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't really know. Twenty-four volt starting system. Why? For the what was wrong with the fucking twelve volt one? The stereo. <laughs> Shape transmission. What does that mean? I couldn't tell you if you paid me. I'm assuming it's probably something to do with the gearing, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, okay, ten inch swing arm, right? Sure. Okay, uh, three hundred kit. So he's put like a chopper wheel it's on a it. Fucking giant chopper wheel on the back. Because yeah. why do you want to turn? <laughs> Let's be honest, a bike like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in fairness, he's in, he's in Florida. So, but yeah, I, 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 these are, there's a trend going on here, and I, I clearly we're, we're not down. And he, he doesn't live in a nice place. It doesn't look like it. No, no, no. it looks especially like an apartment parking lot. He wheels that thing into the apartment. Uh huh, every night. And the girlfriend's like, when are you going to get rid of that thing? Take it away. Honey, I got the big, big wheel. It's dripping oil on the carpet. We won't get the deposit back. <laughs> Hi, John. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't get the whole show sport bike thing. No, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me because there's this clear, like, pattern they all go for. They're like, I got to stretch out the swing arm and then I put a bigger tire on the back and some speakers in my ass and, you know. To me, it's like chopper envy. They want to be like as flashy as that scene. Yeah, they want to be all flashy like that, but, but they don't uh, want the, the chopper because old guys ride choppers. Right. Yeah. Although for a $20,000 freaking custom, I'm frankly, I'm not seeing a lot of 20-somethings riding. I mean, I used to be involved with this scene. Yeah? When I was, you know, rolling. Stretchy sport. So, no, well, the, uh, the the import car bike scene, you know, wait a when minute. you do car shows. Wait a minute. What? You were, a, you were a rice boy, Chuck? No, I had a Mustang. You had, you had, a, you had a Civic. I had a Mustang. A four-cylinder Civic GT. with a picnic table no. bolted to the back no. of it. No. Slammed down to the ground with tires too wide for its <coughs> well so they don't turn all the way when you turn the wheel. No, a sir. coffee can exhaust tube. No, no, sir. I was the guy where in the middle of your import car show, mm -hmm. there would be a line of Mustangs and Corvettes. Mm -hmm. I was that guy. Oh, I had an O2 Mustang convertible. It was fairly, it was a stock show car, so I didn't do a bunch of stuff like this to it. Yeah. But it was in nice shape. Oh, this you'd love this. This one car show I went to with my crew. We were rolling in deep. <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> we pull in, and uh, we're setting up. And you know, when you display your car, you pop your hood. You, you know, you're pumping music. You're doing oh, stuff. Oh yeah, so everybody can see like the engine and the right. Mm -hmm. Except uh, it's not cool to use your prop rod. I was cool because I had installed. Um, hydraulic. Oh, little gas cylinder deal. Yeah, to hold the, the, the hood up by right, itself. Okay. Which yeah. is cool. It was cool. Uh, some of the other guys in the club, they didn't have stuff like that, uh -huh. but they didn't want to do the prop rod because that's not cool. So we opened up my trunk. We're going through my trunk. I'm like, okay, here's a CD drive. Prop your hood up with that. <laughs> here's a disc drive. Prop your hood up with that. Because I was a giant nerd. So I was going to say, so you're rocking a, a sweet O2 Mustang with fucking computer parts in the, in the back. Yeah. Nice. Roll, rolling around in Classy. the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What was that? Don't worry about it. It's just hard drives. Just, just, every time he goes around a corner, 
<laughs> just, I had that, but it was all ski shit. <laughs> just stick it under your hood. <laughs> yeah, nice. I got a trophy for that show. Well, and thank God, my to, car to this day. You, you take out that trophy and cuddle it, and it's in the garage. Yeah. Second place uh, domestic stock. Okay then. <laughs> <laughs> Meant I did a really nice wax job. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I can understand a lot of the the, the yeah. show scene. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose if you're into it, you know, you've got this stylistic thing you're going for. I but coming from that background, I just don't get it with these bikes. Why do that to that bike? It's flashy looking. Uh, it, yeah. You, uh, I have no idea. I just don't, I don't get, I, I want to ride one to see what it's like. Well, I think probably it's... It'd be riding like a chopper, wouldn't it? I bet the drag bike influence is probably a big thing here. And that's one of the things where that swing arm comes from. Because if you've got nothing but flat straight roads to go on, you want a drag race. Sure. And if you want a drag race, the longer you are, the less your front wheel comes up and all that nonsense. But I, I, I'm with you. I'm, if I you're don't get a, it. a drag racer and you've got a machine for drag racing yeah i don't think that's these it doesn't i don't really get drag race here's, a, here's a little drag race hint for you guys the stereo adds weight <laughs> <laughs> the speakers in your ass <laughs> are slowing you down <laughs> not helping <laughs> just because you put it in the shape of a hump doesn't make it aerodynamic yeah so yeah there's uh but this guy wants a corvette now i'm thinking he outgrew the whatever the hell that is well he wants to go to the car show the in a corvette Boger. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, gonna be that guy. He won't. Yeah, that's a cool. Yeah, ought to ride a Mustang or drive a Mustang. But you know, that's fine. If you want to be a Corvette and be a loser, that's cool. Did you just? Whoa! What? <laughs> what? What? Nothing. Chevy sucks. What? <laughs> okay, another side story. I went to a car show with my dad. Mm-hmm. All right, Speed Racer was there. The guy that does the voice, creating yeah. you know, own Speed Racer now, Peter sure. or something. Okay. And he was there when, uh, back in 2000, they started producing the Mach 5 as a real car. Gotcha. And they were selling them, limited edition. Wow. Like fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, maybe more. How do you not have one? Well, this is what happened. We go up there, and we're looking at this car. Peter, whatever his name there, signing autographs. You know, he's Speed Racer. He's got the scarf. Yeah, the scarf <laughs> and the helmet on. You know, everyone's like, Speed Racer, Speed Racer, Speed Racer. My dad's sitting there looking at it. And looks at him, and we're like, so uh, this car, it looks really nice. Like, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. What's it built on? Oh, well, it's built on a Corvette chassis. Oh, what a piece of shit. Turns around, walks off. <laughs> and I'm like standing there holding a the flyer. Like, oh, I'll just get the back. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> and Speed Racer's just like, brain lock. I come from a Ford family. Apparently. Yeah. I come from a from a shittiest car you can manage family. Oh, we were in, we, my dad was fine with shitty cars as long as they were Fords. Fair enough. <laughs> he, he wasn't that kind of uh, car snob, just yep. a Ford snob. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So yeah, Chevys suck. I'm sure there won't be any hate mail from that. These are no. motorcycle guys. What would they care about cars? So Chuck. What? Tell us about the Buell. The Buell is done. They called me up. Oh yeah? They, okay. They called like right me up. after the show that would have to have been. Yeah. They called me up and said, hey, everything's done. The reason it took so long is we were waiting for a turn signal part. Because you remember last time, one of the things I noticed was they had broken the turn signal. Right, okay. And they had to wait for a part for that, which kind of makes sense because they don't have sure. a relationship with Buell, so they right. got an order from somebody who orders yep, from somebody guys else. Yeah, the guy goes on a donkey, and the guy's in the donkey, yeah, and yeah, down, yeah, it goes yeah. on a ship, and the ship comes in, and then the guy picks it up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy was just like, yeah, we finally got the part in for a turn signal, turn signal's working great, everything's fine. I was like, cool, how about the thing I brought it back for? How's that? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, that. They spent some time with that. They think it's the uh, bank angle sensor connection. So the tip-over sensor. The tip-over thing, yeah. Huh. 
And what well, he was saying was it wasn't the sensor itself. It was the connection of the sensor to the rest of the bike. Okay. And that um, as the bike got the high RPM, mm-hmm. uh, the vibration was basically jiggling it. Okay. And that was causing it to send false signals back and forth. Like the bike was going. Yeah. Yeah. It's telling you, you're falling over. No, you're not. (laughs) Wait, yeah, you are. Wait, no. Wait, what? (laughs) Okay. Well, let's see. Because one of those would work by killing the ignition circuit, which would be not inconsistent with what we saw. Because it's definitely ignition wasn't happening either because of (laughs) fuel not being suitable for ignition or things not igniting. Yeah. No spark. So, okay. I kind of buy it. Um, what's the what's the what's the the group think of the internet? Thing yeah, so one of our listeners, Bill, posted on the bad web. He's out to save you. Yeah, save Chuck from doing something smart. <laughs> 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 Which is funny because you know I've been telling people all week. Yeah, the Buell's fixed. I just need to go out and pick it up, and everyone's like, "Sell it, <laughs> <laughs> sell it now while you still can, <laughs> <laughs> while it's still running. Find a sucker, doom, one just like you. I mean." Yeah, you're going to sell that, right? <laughs> but on Bad Web, Bill posted about my dilemma, and he didn't see the other thread about because I had been kind of participating. Sure, yeah. And I don't go by Wheel Nerd on, on Bad Web. <laughs> I'm Wheel Nerd Chuck. Hi. Well, that sounds. <laughs> Anyways, so he posted about it, and a bunch of people are jumping in. There's a lot of common themes that, you know, it's an electrical problem, and those could be a bitch to chase down. Sure. Any, any, any electrical component that has anything to do with the or a fuel system yeah. could be possibly bad, which is yeah. everything but the lights, basically. Yeah, your, your TPS sensor, that, that comes up. One guy's talking about he's replaced his whole harness. Wow. Um, and still does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, he said after he replaced his whole harness, everything was... Oh, that's, is that all? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So, Todd, I hear you have a medical problem. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to rip out your nervous system. <laughs> and replace it with a new one. <laughs> You'll be cool. <laughs> Hold still. Oh, shit. We'll have you home by 10. <laughs> wow. So, you know, um, I'm I'm reserving all judgment and hope on the Buell mm-hmm. until, until I pick it up. Until you verify that it is, in fact, working. Another thing I'm wondering, you know, we're, it's, it's, it's what, 25 degrees now. Mm-hmm. So the, what, the climate's different now. Yeah. And what if that's a factor? See, you're just you're, – you, the I'm, doubt is just eating you apart. I'm, it's going to continue to do so for a while. I'm scared, tell. Todd. I'm scared. Can I have a hug? No. Hold me. No, get away from me. What's that smell? <laughs> Wait. I don't feel safe at all. <laughs> Let me put the tiki front and center. Yeah, let, let's front and center the tiki and give him some sort of offering because, yeah. damn. I don't, I don't know. I, I am re – I don't know. You you want to you want to love it again, but you're not sure if it's going to be God, trustworthy. I do want to love it again. My wife was like, "If you get rid of that bike, what are you going to get? An O10 Ulysses? <laughs> Another one?" <laughs> and that's when she tasered me, <laughs> <laughs> right in the sack. <laughs> We've said this many times in many shows, but I don't know, man. It's it's I'm you're you're in a weird place. I wouldn't want to be in. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, you know, if you get the bike running, just sell the damn thing. <laughs> get away as fast as you can. And I'm like, well, that's great and all, but you know, I just bought a bike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know about your wives, but that's that's going to be a tall one to sell. Yeah, even with the yeah, but I just sold it. <laughs> but honey, I. I... <laughs> I just sold this one. Oh, yeah, it's totally the same price as this 2012 Triumph Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> what? We'll keep you posted, as usual, on the exciting world of the Buell. Bill, thanks for hooking me up. Bill's worried about you, Chuck. 
If someone could get a hold of Eric, <laughs> have Eric, Eric talk to us. Eric's going to be like, sell it. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to build. Sell it. Buy an RS. Yes. <laughs> Hurry up. Come on, sucker. <laughs> oh, Lord. Speaking of uh, more stories. <laughs> more stories. On to part two of our interview with David Huff. David Huff, motorcycle author, safety expert, and inspirer of paranoid nightmares. There was also a big hassle about 10 years ago. I was involved as president of the sidecar safety program. And so one uh, spring, I decided to see if I could do a presentation at the state motorcycle safety administrators meeting. So they have a conference once a year or so when all of the state coordinators and chief instructors and so forth get together. However, I realized that what I wanted to say, they would never allow me to say it. And that would frustrate me. And I I don't want to go to a conference and sit around listening to people drone on about things that are patently stupid and bypass those things that I think are important. About that time, Cundiff Simmons called me and and he said, are you going to go to the SMSA conference? And I said, no. And he said, why not? And I said, well, just what I told you. I I don't want to go and waste my time or fly across country and spend my money and then, you know, be frustrated. And he says, you don't understand Now, the SMSA conference, what they have on Friday, Friday is the business meeting, which means those people who are actually corporate members of SMSA, the the big box people, I think it's, I don't know, $1,500 a year or something to to belong to it. They meet on Friday and they talk about the real business. And then on Saturday, then you get the seminars. And on Sunday, you get some breakout sessions. So Mm -hmm. he said, you don't understand. Uh, I have an hour on Friday at the business meeting. What? And as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to introduce you and give you the rest of the time. (laughs) So if you want to go, you're on. So I went. And basically what I had to say is, and this is with MSF president and staff in the room, you know, and basically what I had to say is, uh, you people running the state programs, was basically what I was addressing, you may or may not realize that the information that you receive from the MSF is really focused on two-wheelers and Mm -hmm. doesn't apply to three-wheelers. And a lot of them don't understand this. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just take the course and call it a three-something and, and teach it. And I said, if, if you look at the Citizens with Disabilities Act, it might have some bearing on this. So if somebody comes back from a war with his legs in op and he wants to ride a motorcycle, what are you going to do for him? Basically, they said, well, obviously, he can't ride a motorcycle. <laughs> obviously, they've never met Claude or any of the other custom builders. <laughs> yeah, so I, I said, you know... Um, I'm just a messenger here, but I would advise you to look into your policies before the lawyers get into the act. Because <laughs> are you discriminating there against are my out client? There. They're only slightly less scary than tyrannosaurs. Call your program a motorcycle program. So if you look at the definition of motorcycle in your state, what does it say? Mm. Well, in almost all yeah. states, it will say you know a vehicle having not more than three wheels in contact with the ground. Yada yada yada. You know so. Some of them turned white and realized maybe they had missed something. <laughs> they brought out the red. L word and that got their attention. Yeah, the other half turned red and decided well, to crucify me or run me out of town on the rail or, you know, whatever. And so mm-hmm. right off, there's about half of them uh, became my, well, I became their mortal enemy. You know, I was the demigod. Or even <gasps> issue up. Next time! <laughs> <laughs> so... After that, I, we were we were escorted out basically because <laughs> seize them. That's right. You know, well, uh, quite so. I was, I was wondering, did any of that take? 
was that just an exercise in futility? Did, did we actually accomplish anything? You know, well, a little while later, I came down to the lobby, and there was Tim Boucher, the president of the MSF there. So I came up to him because we had never formally met, and uh, he was talking with about three other people who I gathered were MSF staffers. Now, this is in the lobby, so it's it's a public area, right? Anyway, so I up and I offered my hand, and, and I said, uh, I don't believe we've met. And he, with his hand still in his pocket, say, well, I know who you are. <laughs> and he proceeds to lecture me on, you know, the futility of starting a war with the, the big guys, namely mm-hmm. him. He said, uh, I'm going to call Fred Rao and get you fired. Well, that, that's kind of interesting because Fred Rao was the senior editor of Motorcycle Consumer News, but I was not an employee of MCI. I was an independent <laughs> contributor. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, so he's going to get me fired? Well, uh, hollow threat. Anyway, after a while, I uh, separated myself from him, but he still remembers me as being this nasty guy that told everybody about the MSF's failures to cover three-wheelers. So this has ongoing history. Now, here's an interesting fact for you. Here's a factoid. Let's see. Wendy Moon, Fred Rao, myself were a part of an article called Trouble in Training that MCN published uh, about mm, five years ago, maybe now. It was somewhat critical of the MSF. There was a, a, a meeting at which Tim Boucher and his staff said, we'd like to talk to you. you know, so it, I was not there. I was not invited to go. But Wendy and Fred and Dave Searle tried to pin them down on anything, which I could have told them was futile. The guy's a salesman. He's not going to cop to any admission of anything. You can't corner him. At the conclusion of that, there was a rumor out that Tim had us in his, uh, in his gun sights. Let's see. There was another guy not in that direct act. He is now deceased. It'll come to me in 17 seconds. But Deceased <laughs> under suspicious circumstances? Well, okay, so so there were several, what should we say, enemies of, of the MSF. Okay, I'm still alive, but I've had a couple of crashes. Can't blame those on the MSF. <laughs> oh, sure you can. Go ahead. Just you wait until you try to renew your license. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy suddenly dies a couple of years ago, okay, of strangeness. You know, I mean, there's some suspicion in this, but she's dead. Ron Shepard. He was the motorcycle coordinator of uh, Idaho, died of a heart attack suddenly, you know. So I had to say to a friend of mine, look, you know, this may not have any fact, but I said, if I suddenly die of a heart attack, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you might want to have somebody look into this. And he's, Does Tim Boucher smoke cigarettes? So Ron was another guy who was highly critical of MSF. So we got, let's see, we got Wendy, we got Ron, we got Dave. If I croak, I don't know, I'm in a little better health, I think. So those could be suspicious circumstances. Hey, are we in danger because we're talking to him? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're I'm scared. Now. You're wait, wait. Now. Hold on. I, I discount the risk fully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm incapable of noticing the risk. You know, and you're, you're an MSF employee, aren't you? You're, you're Technically, I'm a contractor, I think. But yeah. are you going to flashy thing me or something at the end of this? <laughs> Chuck, I need you to look into this red light. <laughs> Watch out if he's yeah. Watch out if he's on a phone and you come in the room and he says, "Ah, I'm not doing anything." <laughs> we need you to come with us. <laughs> hey, I'm totally willing to roll over. I'll, I'll just I'll just give that up right now. I'm recording all of this. <laughs> you record away because really we 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 record every week. That's what we do. Yes, but this week it's sinister. Drug addicts and uh, alcoholics also go through the stages of denial at motorcycle. <laughs> it won't happen to me. It's not as bad as they say. If it happens to me, it won't be as bad as the others. There's a string of yeah. you know, anger, anger, bargaining, acceptance. Yeah, acceptance. yeah right. right. So, 
Motorcycle. I think I'm still in bargaining. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe if I just am a little safer and I'll just I'll make sure I wear armor and then, then it'll be okay, right? Mom, stop listening. Yeah, no, Corden, uh, we're, we're doomed to listening yeah. to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last episode of Wheel Nerds. <laughs> we thank you for listening. So what are you riding these days, David? Go on to happier... <laughs> Well, I'll go through a little history for you. Uh, 10 or 15 years ago, I decided that I needed a really swoopy sidecar outfit to go cross country. I had been onto the original introduction of the BMW K1 when it was introduced in. This this was the, the one with the really, really aerodynamic fairing and no place to carry anything. When I tested it over in, in Rome, um, I thought, you know, this is perfect for a sidecar rig. It's got the power. It's got the 16-valve motor. It's got shaft drive. What do we care that the bike can't carry anything? We're going to put it all in the sidecar anyway. <laughs> you don't tell that to the guys who are standing around, to the mechanics in the back room. You don't say, we're going to convert this to a sidecar as soon as we get our hands on one. Anyway, so years later, <laughs> I walked into the Green Lake Cycle was then the BMW dealer. And I walked in the door, and there was a nice silk blue K1 sitting there with my name calling out to me. Time to do it. Over a couple of years, I rode it as a two-wheeler, and then I converted it to uh, uh, an EZS made in um, in the Netherlands kit. All fully painted, customized. Uh, it, was, it was pretty exotic. And then I uh, found that I was having some leg problems, you know, gout and, you know, nerve problems, and I, my shifter leg wasn't going to work. And I had a rally coming up back east in Midland, Michigan. Yeah, I, I think you could blame that on the MSF. That, that could be it. If, if jabbed me in the foot when I wasn't looking. But I, I realized I'm not going to be able to ride the rig. And what's the point of having this exotic rig uh, if you can't ride it when you need to? You know. Mm. So I ended up, I donated it to the um, uh, BMW MOA Foundation as a money raiser. Tried that for a while, and then I, and then I bought an R1150 GS Sport uh, two-wheeler, which I rode for a few more years. And then when I augered into the desert sand in California, <laughs> when I got up and got my breath back, and I, I stood up and I looked at this peaceful, serene scene, because there's nobody around for miles. I mean, this is the kind of a road where nobody goes by during the week, period. You know, <laughs> nobody. And I was out there away from civilization. You know, But I looked at the bike, and I said, Shadowfax, I, I named my bikes. Basically. You named it Shadowfax? Shadowfax. You, sir, are my hero. No. <laughs> that is and cool. You know who Shadowfax is, right? Yes. You're on the right show. <laughs> <laughs> That's Gandalf's horse. Of course, yes. And you remember he said, run, Shadowfax, show us the meaning of haste. Yes. Ah, okay, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, I said, Shadowfax, old buddy, you know, it's not your fault, but if I can't be trusted to go out on places like this, there really is no point in having you. There's no point in having a GS if you're not going to go explore roads, and you really should be smart enough not to go exploring remote roads all by yourself with a loaded bike. <laughs> Chuck. What? Chuck, take notes. What? So, anyway, it wasn't loaded. It was empty. I got fine, and there was a little bit of damage, and I repaired it and, you know, and ended up selling the bike. Well, before I sold it, I looked at it, and I thought, you know, it's probably time to convert this to a sidecar rig. I could pull that Ural sidecar off the R100, and I could bolt it up. And so I started making sketches. And I sketched for a couple of hours, the little brackets and connectors and details I'd have to do. Okay, And after the time that I'd sketched, I, I looked at the drawings and I thought, you know, I could do this. Uh, I have the place to work. I have the tools. I have the knowledge. I know exactly what needs to be done. I don't think I feel like it. <laughs> let's just <laughs> go find it. work. Let's go find something that's already put together. So I went out and bought a spider. I hadn't even ridden one. I bought a spider and had it for a couple of years. Then I realized how complex the spider was and decided that 
you know, maybe it was time to move on. So I sold the Spider, a local guy who had, hadn't realized how dangerous motorcycling is yet, and had the hots for a yellow Spider, and boy, did I have a deal for him. He didn't so, read your uh, book. <laughs> So he, Can you imagine it, that would have been a scene in a movie? Yeah. Gandalf looks at Shadowfax. I'm going to tie a hobbit to you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to New Zealand, you know, to the areas where they shot a lot of that. And they point up to these deserted hills, and they say, right up there, that's where the castle stood. Well, of course, you look up there, there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> this is disappointing. Because it was created in the light box. But anyway, so um, then I, I decided, well, you know, I had the R100... Ural rig that's a pretty reliable old rig, but a lot of miles, a lot of changes, and it was kind of underpowered for any kind of highway work. In my <laughs> let me let me just let me just reassure you that it's not that underpowered. A oh. Ural Ural rig oh, such I as the one I'm running is wildly yeah, this, underpowered. This would leave the Ural and thus really fast, but nevertheless, you know, I felt that it if I wanted one, I would want some more power. It, it wouldn't reduce him to tears as quickly. You know, you know, David. Actually, one of the things that not everyone can comprehend is the uh, the extra risk you're taking on going that fast. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. I used to joke that the rear brake on the old BMW Airheads was the original anti-lock brake system. <laughs> not locking <laughs> as hard as you want you will not skip there but so i decided you know maybe it's time for me to go to plan b so last spring i had uh, had hand surgery and recovered i was recuperating from that and I hadn't ridden at all which is another reason to sell the spider no sense having that much money sitting around you know not being ridden so i decided to hop on the uh, the old r75 uh, toaster they call them toasters because of the uh, side covers uh, they have these chrome gas tank panels that look like an old toaster Hmm. And, of course, as soon as anybody got one, they would take the toaster covers off and use them for barbecue plates or throw them in the garbage or, you know, something. <laughs> they were so ugly, and so they're hard to find. So I happened to stumble on a pair, and I got this R75. It's a 72. So anyway, I decided to ride the toaster over to the Chief Joseph Rally at uh, John Day, Oregon, which I did. And on the way to and from, there were three or four different situations that just scared the bejesus out of me. One was crossing the uh, the Hood River Bridge. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, this is narrow, narrow ass little bridge, and it's a, a narrow ass little a bridge about a mile long. Decking, it's yeah, it's there, and it's graded graded bridge decks that don't match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt the feeling. I could just imagine this little uh, this little picture came in front of my brain. It was of the aid guy looking down and saying, "Are you all right?" Do you remember what day it is? <laughs> your What's your name? <laughs> well, that was one. Another was a seal-coated road. And another was coming out of John Day. Our hostess had reminded people that in the previous month, between John Day and Baker, there had been 200 districts in one month. Okay. Now, with that fresh in your mind, my friend and I are leaving John Day, heading westbound. And before we even get out of town, a deer leaps behind him. You know, he's ahead of me. So the deer leaps behind him, runs up the bank, and I'm kind of slowing down a little bit. Another deer leaps up right in front of me and up the bank. You know, and we aren't even out of town yet. We got 40 more miles of this to go before we get out of this valley <laughs> full of nice green, you know, deer food. Anyway, there were, there were some things like that. You know, I got home. I thought, you know, uh, I think I'm through riding two wheelers. I think. Mm. I think the time has come. You know, if I'm really nervous about this and knowing what I have been through, you know, the knowledge and the skills that I've learned over the years. 
if I'm nervous, well, uh, what I would tell other people, then don't do it. Makes you nervous, don't do it. So, K. I think I went to plant K. I bought a, um, a rack, uh, these hitch racks that goes on the back of my Toyota 4Runner, and it's got a, a platform back there. And there's a ramp, and you can roll a motorcycle up crossways. So I bought the ramp that was supposed to be up to uh, 600 pounds with the idea that I would carry the, the R75 on it so that I would do the long miles in the truck and then riding around town on the bike, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I took a look at the uh, at the toaster, and I took a look at that rack, and I said, uh-uh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That bike must weigh 450 pounds, maybe, something like that. And the idea of perching that up on the back of the Forerunner and getting into a wild crosswind or something. <laughs> you've, you've, you've robbed the world of a really funny story, David. <laughs> I've got I've got plenty of funny stories, trust me. I can see, like, the next edition of his book comes out, Proficient Motorcycling Extreme, author quote, Don't Ride. <laughs> I've, I've got, uh, got one in the back of my mind called, you know, Lessons from the Road or something like that. You know, little things mm-hmm. happened that I haven't written about, but... Stay home. So Your of, mom was right. A friend of mine was about through with the Kawasaki uh, KLX250S, which is uh, pretty much a dirt bike, but fairly lightweight. Mm-hmm. And I took a little spin on that, and he made me a deal, and I bought it. So for the next uh, two or three rallies, I'm trying to remember how many I went to last summer, where I transported the uh, Kowalski on the back of the, of the truck. It's kind of interesting because I'd gone up to the BC Beamers rally and the great little rally incidentally, if you ever get a chance to go. So most people, the BC Beamers, they don't really care what you ride. They're not a snob club. I've been to mm. other clubs where if you didn't ride in on the BMW, you wouldn't get in. Yeah, oh. I was going to say, these were BMW riders? Are you sure? That's right. But <laughs> were they official BMW riders? I totally have the same. BMW riders, and there's definitely a different attitude about it. So... Anyway, so I bring in my Kawasaki. Nobody bats an eye. They don't care what I got. Just the fact that I'm there is fine. I'm going to do some seminars. That's fine. Somebody, however, was wandering around saying that a friend of his was in the decal business, and he'd made a bunch of helmet stickers. You know how BMW is very jealous about its logo? <laughs> yes. So basically, he handed them to me backwards with his hand, and, you know, he wants something. You know, don't tell anybody where you got them sort of thing. And so I took a pair of these, and I looked at the Kawasaki, and I thought, you know, I put one of the BMW logos on each side of the tank. We uh, have I, no idea what that would be like. I stripped off the Kawasaki stuff. Although here it is, here's this dirt bike painted green with the BMW logo. So after the rally, I rode south. Well, there's another little podunk border crossing, you know, pretty much due south of Nicosia, and it's further that way by 100 miles or so. But there's hardly anybody there. And so you might have to wait for one or two other cars. So I motored on down, and it was kind of a holdup. And for a little tiny border crossing, I got up to the to the booth, and the guy says, where have you been? And I said, well, I was at the BMW rally at Nikusp. And he said, as I recall, that's a BMW rally, looking over his shoulder at the Kawasaki, clearly a Kawasaki <laughs> on the back. And I said, well, you must not have looked it over very carefully. <laughs> Look again, sir. So he went back, and he walked. He, he did a circle of the truck, went around behind, and came up, and he says, I got your game. Get out of here. <laughs> so how do you like those stickers on your Kawasaki? I, I asked this because I bought some of those BMW Roundel stickers off of eBay. Yeah. we ha- I have them on my Strom, and I stuck one on the nose of Chuck's Viffer. And it's still there. Well, yeah, and we can't get them off. It won't come off. Well, it's um, molecularly bonded. Yeah. Uh, actually, the, the stickers that I got were some guy that made them, and they were only maybe an inch and a half in diameter. I mean, the genuine BMW stickers are a little more robust, and they're mm-hmm. maybe two, two and a half inches in diameter. 
Yes, made of metal with the ultimate glue yeah. on Earth. Nothing will glue. get those things off. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so we uh, have a BFRMW, and you have yeah. a BMW Strong. Well, yep. a few years ago, it dawned on me that with the proliferation of motorcycles, that most people would not understand what the brand was, just based on what they could see. You know, I mean, if you looked at eh, the plastic and the welds and the paint and, you know, the general configuration of the engine and the wheels or whatever – you wouldn't be able to tell that it was a BMW as opposed to, uh, say, a Suzuki 350. Even well, people at a BMW dealership, as it turns out. <laughs> sometimes. They run up to so, the store. Anyway, I was at a, um, I, I had a, I bought a Suzuki DR350. I decided to rebadge it as a BMW just in case I would go to a BMW rally. And I thought it was kind of cute to rebadge it. And so I very carefully cleaned up anything that said Suzuki. For instance, the, the, uh, the oil filter cover has Suzuki embossed in it. Well, I filled it in with filler and repainted it, you know. Uh, I took off all of the uh, plastic decals off the side, and then I made up some decals, and it was a DR35GS BMW. (laughs) Fantastic. And I had a plastic uh, IMS 3.5-gallon tank, which would give it about, I don't know, 300 miles of range or something. And I put the genuine BMW decal exactly in the right place where BMW engineers or designers would have put it. Mm-hmm. So here I had this uh, this BMW DR35GS, and all the numbers match. You know, I mean, BMW guys know what the numbers mean. 35 <laughs> would be a 350, you know, a GS would be a dual sport, um, and certainly it couldn't be an R, so it was a DR, because it was a single. So anyway, I, I rode this thing into town to go to the hardware store, and when I came out, there was a guy doing circles around the bike. I knew he wasn't too smart because he was carrying a car battery. Okay? And he, but he, was, he didn't put it down. He was just carrying the battery and doing circles around the, the DR35GS. And he said, is this your bike? And I said, yeah. He said, oh, I didn't know BMW made a single. And I said, oh, yes. <laughs> of course, you know, the 650 was a single. So, of course, I wasn't lying. It was single. He said, boy, he said, it sure looks a lot like my Suzuki 350. <laughs> I've had my fun with it. With the rebadging process. <laughs> what are you riding these days? Still the still the today uh, the sweet three fifty. Well, I, I haven't ridden any bike now for a couple of months because the weather has turned cold and wet, and I haven't had an opportunity to go anywhere. So my style. The last trip was down to Quincy, California, and that was a truck trip with the Kawasaki slash BMW. I went from Klamath Falls over towards the, the dry country. I don't remember all the towns, but long, straight, boring roads, and it was under construction. So here I was sitting in my Forerunner, engine running, air conditioner on, got the cooler in the back with the beverages, you know, I mean, would I have wanted to have been sitting there on a motorcycle, sweating in the hot sun? Well, no, I don't think so. I was happy, and I got to ride around town on the Kawasaki and be a genuine motorcyclist. That's kind of where I am at my age now, is thinking that uh, I'm trying this out. I'm not promising you I'm not going to go out and suddenly get the urge to build a sidecar outfit, because because it keeps coming. I thought, well, maybe I'll buy a, an R1200R BMW and, mm-hmm. uh, and put a nice sidecar on it. But on the other hand, uh, when it comes to spending, what do those things go for? No. Uh, I heard from a friend, they're usually about 6000 and then you add on options and you're looking more 6, like 000. 8 and then you do some uh, mods on the front. What? and or a BMW? <laughs> Oh, the BMWs? No, a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're talking many. Yeah, we're Double not digits. talking just the sidecar. The sidecar. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can easily spend five or six thousand on a sidecar, but, but we're going to have to start with buying the motorcycle, which mm. is going to be fifteen or sixteen thousand. So I haven't had a real urge to squander the money. All right. So you got the the Kawasaki. You're going to have a book coming out, and you're yep. looking to inspire terror in the hearts of motorcyclists everywhere. 
Well, <laughs> I, I think that the story... Justifiably so. <laughs> yeah, the dirty little secret does need to be told. Uh, I'm not sure quite how anybody can tell that, because nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> really your mom was right. No. <laughs> you want to learn that your SO is an axe murderer, you know, or would you prefer just to pretend that you hadn't heard about that or, or didn't see the bloody axe or, <laughs> you know. Everything is fine. Move uh, <laughs> alone. So I'm, I'm not trying to convince anybody to give it up, but where I am is basically having given up the long distance riding. That's probably appropriate because my body keeps crapping out. Last year, I had sciatica in the right leg to the point where I couldn't even walk. You know, it was so painful. One morning, I drug myself out to the kitchen and I actually passed out on the floor. And I woke up an hour later uh, laying on the floor, you know, because of the pain. Well, oh, wow. So when you think about, okay, would you like to go for a motorcycle ride today? You aren't even. Mm. <laughs> I, mean, mm. I mean, would you like to just walk? out to the kitchen without passing out, would you, you know? So um, I have some different priorities, and I have had an interesting conversation with a fellow down in New Zealand uh, named Jeff, and Jeff kind of uh, was intrigued by what I was saying about this business of growing older as a motorcyclist, and you know, how do you know when it is time to hang it up, you know? Sure. Or do you ease out of it? So I've been kind of um, writing some things about that a little bit, and he put a bunch of things on a couple of his websites and we got some very interesting responses from people one fellow said it's about time somebody talked about this nobody talks about it but we're all growing older and we're all got to face the questions so thanks very much for bringing the subject up then we get the other things you know we get the the snippy responses mm. someone says well uh, her goal is to uh, steal a harley davidson and ride it naked through the park and get arrested by a handsome cop and then have and then have her children bail her out <laughs> so I look at that and I think, okay, that's designed to give us a chuckle, which is basically saying, I don't want to have to talk about it. I'm not ready to think about yeah. it. Old. You know, I still think of myself as young and sexy and virile, and, and you're talking about old age. I don't want to yeah, think about what, What's this growing old thing yeah, you talk yeah. about? I don't understand. Or somebody would say, another guy said, well, who knows what the future will hold? I'll just cross that bridge when I get to it. Plugging of the ears. It's back. Yeah, so... <laughs> You know, we'd get different responses from people, and you could pretty well guess their age groups, even though they didn't say so. And the woman was probably 35, you know, that sort of thing. It's been an interesting ride for me all of the years, and I've been able to go to a lot of different places in the world. I've been to, to Southern Africa a couple of times. I've been to Europe a few times, England, Isle of Man, Scotland, Wales, you know, France, Germany, Switzerland, etc. Been to New Zealand once, beautiful country. Yes, Tyler. You know what New Zealand really is? It's a time machine. When you step off the plane in New Zealand, it's 40 years ago. Hmm. I'm not talking about the cars. you got new cars and that sort of thing. <laughs> but, you know, but the attitude about people and food and friendliness and uh, traffic and all that sort of thing is like it was you know, in Utah 40 years ago. Maybe 20, 10 years ago. Well, <laughs> You're a little behind here. <laughs> Utah is not the most uh, progressive area. Well, I, I understand that. I've been through Utah a few times. But nevertheless, what I'm saying is that the really neat thing about getting off the plane in New Zealand is that everything is more relaxed. One day we went, when we were on this, there was an Ayers Adventures tour I'd been invited to, to go on. And uh, one day we were running out of time, and it was time for lunch, and there happened to be a Burger King there. We'd actually pulled into the parking lot because Burger King has a nice parking lot. Then the tour leader said, look, uh, you know, we could go find a place, but it's going to take a while. What do you say? We just have lunch here. And we all said, fine. So we went into this Burger King. First of all, the noise 
you know, I don't know, all of their deep fat fryers must have little buzzers and a beep, beep, bzz, beep, beep, and all this going on, which was so loud, people had to shout over the top to be heard. You know, excuse me, sir, what was that again? You know, and then when we finally got our stuff, a couple of trays came out, and it was like 10 pounds of plastic and paper and whatnot, and, you know, and one pound of food. Um, and we thought, boy, what? Sorry, boys, for having, you know, giving you the idea. This is a terrible idea. You know, I mean, <laughs> oops. All of we didn't say that, but that was sort of my thought is, boy, exporting, exporting the junk food to New Zealand, what a mistake. <laughs> you come on the road in New Zealand and you stop at a bakery. And, of course, the bakery would have the usual pastries and donuts and cookies and, you know, pies and that sort of thing. But they would also have meat pies. And so there would be a little uh, heated uh, glass case down at the end of the bakery aisle somewhere. And it would have meat pies that looked kind of like maybe a Marie Callender meat pie, except these had food in them. I asked the woman, I said, um, are these fresh? And she stiffened like I had insulted her mother. You know? And she said, I was up at 3 o'clock this morning pairing these, and I want you to know that they're full of meat, meaning they're not full of potatoes and peas and gravy and, you know, vegetable mm. chemicals. It'd be like venison. You could get a venison meat pie. They would have elk. They don't allow the animals to run around instantly on the roads in uh, New Zealand. Here in Squim, we have an elk herd, and I have seen the elk herd cross the road. The whole herd just suddenly darts across the road. You know, maybe 30 or 40 big elk. You don't want to hit one of them guys, I'm here to tell you. You know. Well, in New Zealand, they'll have a pasture with a big tall fence, and that's where they keep their elk, like they are keeping cows. So they've got deer in one and sheep in another and elk in another. And So when you're on the road... There wasn't a big risk of slamming into some big critter walking across the road like we do here. It'd be like, oh, you're up at 3 a.m. making these? So you're saying they're kind of old. <laughs> Actually, and that's how the fight started. <laughs> you take a uh, ceramic dish, a plate, you know, and you'd slide the pie out because it'd be hot in there. And then go maybe get a bowl of soup, sandwich or something. And you'd have your lunch. And when you're through, you, you turn the plate and the pork back in and they wash them. What a concept, huh? Instead of dumping 10 pounds of plastic and paper and, you know, all this stuff in the garbage can. So, I so you're saying I'm using pie. somebody else's silverware on your old pie that you made hours ago. Well, um, <laughs> This is why they hate Americans. <laughs> I, I suppose there's a difference between the silverware you have and the silverware drawer at home, right, that other people have eaten with. There's a unique concept called washing the dishes. Go what? Try that out sometime, Chuck. You'll like it, I promise. There you go. What? what? Well, I know. All right, so David Huff uh, writes a lot of good books. You should buy all of them, and he wants you to be realistic about the risks, but you don't want to hear it. He scares me. Because that's how you roll. I'm scared. You're not listening. <laughs> scared now. David, thanks a lot for being on the show with us. It was really fun. Hey, I've yes, enjoyed it. Yes, thank you it. very much. And uh, I guess I did all the talking, but maybe no, that's, that's why you invite guests. So uh, thanks much for having me along for the ride tonight. From this, I learned a few things. Yeah. One, they are out to get you. <laughs> Two, he knows everybody. <laughs> like, he knows a person who's done everything, I, I'm convinced. You know, David Huff reminds me of uh, a grandfatherly kind of guy. Well, I mean, he's got... Fairness, he probably is a grandfatherly no, guy. he is a grandfatherly. He's like the motorcycling grandfather. He's hmm. got stories about everybody, and he'll yep. tell you about them. Everybody and everything. He's seen things. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, too many things. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about the whole thing. It's, it's like on the one hand, it sounds like oh, yeah. totally whack job. Feel about because you're an MSF, you're MSF guy. Well, you know, and the, and the thing about it is, is, is his his comments 
on the three-wheeled program are completely on. The three-wheeled program MSF has is, from what I know of it, kind of half-assed. And is that just because they... they don't have you know an industry sponsor really pushing that or i think so and i think frankly it was cheaper for them to repurpose what they had and and a lot of an msf course is more about the mental stuff and the safety Mm -hmm. but there are some really unique things about three-wheeler that you need to know about operating a three-wheeler and i don't know i I need to see both programs to really make a call on it i am planning to probably i'm thinking this spring i'm going to see if i can get uh, all legal to do the step course Okay, I think that would be cool. And, you know, I'll, I'll end up teaching like one of them a year here in Utah, right? With help from like nobody. But do you get? I mean, do you hear of there being much interest for that here? Not much, frankly. I'll take it. Go okay. bring your own three wheeler. I'll borrow yours. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, Todd, how's this run? <laughs> But yeah, it, Am I doing this right? And that's a big part of it is if I did it here, I'd need to have people who already had a three-wheeler come and do it because we can't, we can't manage a fleet of those things. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of the things he has to say about the MSF are not wrong. It is, in fact, run by all the people who you know put the money in. Yeah, it, make, it makes sense that you know as an industry, they want to promote motorcycling and grow the industry because they want to grow their customer well, base. Well, sure, yeah. That, there's nothing nefarious about that. No, no, that isn't of itself nefarious. I guess the, the thing that comes out is at a certain point, they have to make a choice. Sooner or later, a choice is going to come up between do we – Choose between ex- good or evil. Yeah, thereabouts. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there are legitimate criticisms of the MSF's oh. program. Sort your feelings. You know them to be true. And, and I should note that when I say this... Join me, Todd. <laughs> when I say this, it's just me. It's not the MSF speaking, because it's never the MSF speaking when I am speaking. Remember that, jerks and your Together lawyers. we can rule as father and son. Aye, aye, aye. We're going to get a call. <laughs> We're going to get all sorts of lawyer calls. Todd's opinions are Todd's alone. They do not represent anybody that Todd works for, with, or anything else. They are not representative of the wheel nerds. N- no. <laughs> no more than 50% of the wheel nerds' opinion. Well, maybe 62. Well, you went running today, right? Okay, so 61 and a half. Nobody likes you. <laughs> Bastard. I-, I find it hard to believe there's conspiracy from a fundamentally kind of dorky organization like the MSF, mm-hmm. which is, you know, let's all be safe. <laughs> Motorcycles are cool. Well, you know, it seemed like he drew a pretty big distinction between the, the local programs mm-hmm. where the rider coaches are. Yep, and the national sort of... Corporate, corporate, so to speak. Thing. Yeah, and that's that's probably a fair distinction to make. I mean, I can be perfectly honest and say the number of people from corporate I've met is zero. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in any big uh, company or organization, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have that kind of separation between mm-hmm. your front line and those giant heads in the sky counting yeah. giant wads of money and mm-hmm. coke and whores <laughs> on their private jets. I'm not sure that came up, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's a. I used to work for IBM. Oh, okay. Yeah, then, then definitely. Yeah, Coke whores. Yep. Private jets. IBM lawyers calling now. Let's see. That's three <laughs> sets of lawyers we should be hearing from tonight. <laughs> Parody is a protected art form, unless it's not. <laughs> Unfortunately, your rights are now suspended. Here's some pepper spray to your face. Uh, you know, speaking as as an outsider, because yeah. like uh, we were talking about, I followed Wendy Moon's blog for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mainly because I liked the way she kind of dogged on Harley. <laughs> <laughs> and she was she was super critical of the Rider Edge program. Yeah, she was critical of MSF. Mm-hmm. Way more critical of Rider's Edge. Sure. 
but I mean, sure, criticism was so omnidirectional mm-hmm. that sometimes I wondered what it was she was actually pushing for. Sure, like she criticized helmets, but but yeah, I mean, okay, you're criti- if you criticize the MSF because you're thinking it's too corporate, it's it, their only concern is to push bodies through and get numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's the alternative? That's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Is it's the it's the Bad, 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 bad. And, and I had read a little bit of her stuff, but I had found it's the this is bad, this is wrong, this is bad. But not like – and what would be smart is this. Yeah. The only time I, the, I saw – there's some indications of that with her writings. Mm-hmm. And she seems if, – if I recall correctly, it's been years, a couple of years since I read it. She liked the way Europe did the tiered licensing. You know, yeah. Japan does the tiered licensing. They have mm-hmm. more stringent testing there. Sure. Yeah. She seems – she liked that. Yeah. Versus the go charged by the big Harley. Go charged by the big part. Or, you know, you'd be blunt. She didn't like the way the MSF, you know, go do a weekend at MSF. Here's your license. Go yeah, buy Yeah, now it. you're good. Yeah. Now you now you are a writer, sir. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I make it a point to beat that. I, I got it from my instructor and I make it a point to beat into my students. Is you get done with that course, you are ready to go and ride in a parking lot some more. That's how my instructor was at the bike. MSF. And, and, you know, maybe that's us here in Utah just to say that. But I think it's very relevant. You've done a training course and you've passed it. Okay. Whoop to do. You know where the damn controls are. Congratulations. And apparently you're never really safe, as we also learned. <laughs> Ever. Ever. <laughs> Meanwhile, I will stick my head into the sand and move on. <laughs> but that was cool. Thanks a lot, David, for uh, interviewing yeah. with us. And that, that, that's some bizarre open, eye-opening stuff. It's not what I expected at all. Not a bit of it. No. 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 But uh, really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm all kinds of conflicted yeah. on the insides now. I feel like I need to go watch a Twilight movie. Yeah, and it, whoa, I'm not that conflicted. <laughs> wow, that's that's maybe taking a little over the top. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> Good Lord. All right, we have some listener mail this week. Yay! Some disgusting listener mail. Um, so this one comes from Gary. While lying on the couch with a bad case of bronchitis in the beginning stages of food poisoning, I was thinking to myself, gee, Gary, what can make this day even more complete? I've got it, I said to myself. I'll catch up on my missed episodes of Wheel Nerds. Yay! Well, that's what I want to hear when I'm down sick. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys cackling. Um, well, guys, you didn't disappoint. Between no, no. And- the lawyer said we don't cackle. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. Lawyer number five today. Yeah. <laughs> as many as five lawyers in a show. Anyway. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Between bouts of vicious <laughs> coughing, intense puking, and begging for death, I was laughing what was left of my ass off to the shows. That is so much more to tell than we need. <laughs> I especially enjoyed the interviews with Ghazi from Taze Motorsports and Roger of Caribou Motorcycle Lodge. Did he really spell it Teasy? He did spell it Tezzy. Yeah. Very informative, and it was downright hysterical to hear Chuck's dream of blazing new fields and plywood luggage technology go down in a flaming ball of death. Nobody likes you, Gary. And Todd, you don't get off easy either. I still think you're suppressing your feelings for a pink Power Ranger one-piece riding suit. He's not suppressing. With the optional giant white bunny on the back. There's no suppression there. Which brings me to my suggestion for the show. I know the two of you are doing everything you can in order to boost your listener count from 7 to 10. Pretty ambitious, if you ask me. Anyway. Dream big. What you have to do is find out where your target audience is and cater their needs. Given the fact that Chuck's daughter, Sophie, has a higher fan base than both of you put together, may I suggest that you, Todd, just break down and get that pink Power Ranger onesie from Gazi, and you, Chuck, get the pink luggage with bunny and matching purse from Roger, and announce yourselves as Team Sophie. (laughs) All kidding aside, I really do enjoy your show and look forward to hearing a new episode each week. Sincerely yours, Gary, listener number five, go Team Sophie. His idea has merit. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we we haven't quite hit the point where we need that uh, periodic rating gr- ratings grab yet. You know, if you go look at our Facebook page, Sophie gets way more 
traffic than we do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. And and some smartass has a has registered a fake Todd account. What on is Facebook. that? Fake Todd. Yeah, it's fake Todd, and they put in the reverse, and I don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> smartass. It's not me. Yeah, well done, whoever you are. Fake Todd. Well done, fake fake Todd. <laughs> Unless you're officially licensed by the Wheel Nerds, you are now a real fake Todd. You'll be hearing from our lawyers. You're just a really fake Todd. You'll be hearing from our lawyers on Harleys. We have lawyers on Harleys? Not all lawyers ride Harleys. The lawyers from Harley would like to remind you that some lawyers also <laughs> ride BMW. BMW's lawyers would like to remind you that not all lawyers ride BMWs and Harleys, and some lawyers, in fact, ride Ducatis. How about Victor? Them too. Okay. <laughs> I think if what we need is we need like a lawyer fight amongst different uh, expensive bike brands, you know, like lawyers like spinning like litigation chains at each other and shit. You know, those, those big long like legal pieces of paper. Those are sharp on the edge from their bikes. Yeah, yeah. Just litigate, litigate. Side cases would pop open and sheafs of paper. Yeah, flying out. Yeah, yeah. sheafs of paper. What's this? It's a summons. Oh, <laughs> one of does a burnout. I object. <laughs> 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 They're wearing the leather vest over the three-piece suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah naturally. <laughs> Objection! Denied! <laughs> the one guy shows up. The, the one group of them shows up. They're like, we're the public defenders. <laughs> you all been doing bad shit. Wow. Okay, we're done with that. I'm going to pants suit off. <laughs> For what? I don't know. They'll figure something out. I'm wearing really dirty, torn Carhartts. They can have them. <laughs> what have you learned this week, Chuck? I've learned that the truth is out there. Trust no one. No one? Well, maybe your local dealer. No. Not that <laughs> all right, that's all we've got time for this week. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.